0: Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. Ha <laughs> I'm gonna fight your fucking ass! You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No, forget Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody.
1: Hey, pussy, are you still so there?
0: I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. we well, rich, baby. I would like to introduce.
1: Welcome to the MA 4 Money show, episode four. I am your favorite garbage man, Bob Voss at MA State of Mind here with my co-host, Michael Copenhaver at Don't Cope, Just Win. Mike, how you doing?
0: I'm doing okay, man. Just got a little cold, so just pushing through.
1: Yeah, me and Mike are both dealing with a little bit of sickness, so if you notice something a little odd in the voices, that's what's going on. Don't worry, we're not dying, we're just powering through. So we're just going to do a a quick breeze through on this UFC 243 recap, because I hate to say it, but in general, the entire card was lackluster. We will spend some more time on the co-main event and the main event, because... Those absolutely deserve a little bit more focus. So just going over the uh, fights we talked about last week. Megan Anderson beats Zara, Zara Farn dos Santos by triangle choke. It's her first submission win in the UFC. Um, the featherweight division still a viable option for the US, UFC, or should they let it implode, letting other fighters go to Bellator, and this is kind of where I fall on it. At some point, the UFC hasn't tried for featherweight other than just to be able to call Amanda Nunez a double champ, whereas Bellator has fostered it and actually have quite the division. Um, I think Anderson is still lacking tremendously and even got some hands laid on her a little bit before she eventually found the choke here. Uh, Diego Lima won by split decision versus Luke Jumo. His chin did hold up. That's one thing we were worried about last time. Um, but Lima is attempting to overturn the decision with the commission from a split to a unanimous decision, which I don't think I have ever heard before. And honestly, I'm a little confused because once you start asking them to overturn decision one, they probably won't. And two, even if they did, you don't want to risk them siding with the one judge that gave it to Jumo. And then all of a sudden you have a lost fight uh, tied to a lost by submission. Um, I borderline think he should be cut after this if he wasn't. Young and had that Australian fan base, which is growing right now, given the likes of Robert Whitaker and Israel Adesanya based that whole oceanic area. Um, he basically got ragdolled by a much smaller heavyweight after the first minute of the fight. Um, I guess there's not really much to say there. Otherwise, he needs to maybe find a new camp or something. I, I, I'm not sure. But needless to say, borderline the tu- Tuvasa experiment should be scrapped. Um, now, Mike, of these three fights before we go into the co-main event and the main event, any additional news and notes? Anything you want to add to it? Or should we just go right into the actual big fights?
0: Um, I just tied to Vasa's uh, major disappointment in my eyes. I, th- I had a, I thought he had a little bigger upside and thought he could easily uh, beat up Spivak. But uh,
1: I guess not. Well, and it was crazy because he the sheer size difference was kind of staggering to me. I mean, I knew he was going to be bigger, but like... I guess just being bigger isn't going to make you better because hes I don't know, he looks worse to me now than he did earlier in his UFC fights. think This is his third loss in a row. And yeah, I'm not not—I'm not sure where they're going to go with him after this. Um, now, the co-main event was a great fight. Now, actually, before we even get into this, because we actually had a bet in the co-main event and the main event. So we're never going to hide from uh, losses on a card or anything like that. Uh, we lost both of our bets. We had one bet on Ally Quinta. Had some pretty good plus money. And uh, a bet on Robert Whitaker to win one unit at minus 105. So for the event, we are minus 205 units. But with our big plus money plays and other wins from the previous week, we are currently 0.9 units up over three shows. And if any of you were here for our first episode, you would have seen how much <laughs> we should have won those two fights uh, going back to UFC Mexico But uh, needless to say, we're on the upswing and still happy to be at plus money. So for the co-main event of UFC 243, Dan Hooker, I think, I would say, fought the most composed, consistent fight I've ever seen him fight. He's kind of a brawler, at least in any fight that I have in memory or ones I looked back on, and that's where I thought Iaquinta would thrive. He doesn't have a crazy depth in his uh, combination game, but enough like one-twos and stuff from Iaquinna that I thought he was going to be able to light him up. I also thought at some point he might be able to take him down. Iaquinna was just standing there for those calf kicks, and they were acting big early. And I'm starting to think that maybe the calf kicks are super effective on uh, the mainstays in the UFC, like the guys have been there a while, because it's just this new wrinkle to the game that all the younger fighters are implementing, and some of them are just so used to just checking a kick that... They're not willing to step out of the way, and they don't think it's going to do much. But it adds up over the fight, and like Al looked like he was spurline stumbling on that leg even after the end of the first round. Um, I was super shocked at how much how much bigger Hooker looked compared to Al because Hooker used to be a forty five er. So apparently he's grown into the weight class to a dramatic degree, or Al is just a small fifty five er. I guess this must have been that perfect combination of uh, Hooker improving by so much while Al's on the way down. And I kind of knew that was the thing, but I still thought Al had enough in the tank to be able to do it. I, I mean, I guess so many people are just overvaluing uh, some fights of his in the past. I mean, I know he looked great versus Kevin Lee, but Kevin Lee has been known to drop the ball and have mental lapses. And he looked okay against Khabib because Khabib chose to stand with him. But other than that, I mean, I guess his saving grace is a split decision win over Masvidal that everyone thought he lost. So, I mean, you're the one, uh, you had a bet in this fight, and I was with you on the side. I thought plus money on Al was ridiculous, but I mean, I guess we were both wrong. Uh, What are your thoughts on this fight and, I guess, the two fighters going forward?
0: Well, um, Hooker looked really good. Um, I was surprised with his jiu jitsu transitions uh, in certain situations. But then again, with the extra height and length advantage and the reach, uh, those certain situations in jujitsu really do play a factor. That's why uh, I always tell guys, or you see guys that are like lanky um, and they're newer. um, I always, you always kind of like tell them like, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna be good once you, you get going because you get, you get anacondas easier, guillotines, triangle chokes. It's just harder with longer people um and certain things um, so hooker was impressive in that sense but i, I was more disappointed with Al quinto's performance and um his lack of combinations that he threw and also the lack of wrestling that i have seen him do in the past i i just it just i'm so i'm sorry for the pick it I will never hide from a loss it is what it is and i just thought the the veteran could beat the the newer kid, and uh, it was turned out wrong. So it just took a one-unit loss, but we'll get that right back.
1: Oh, absolutely. Now, in the main event was the middleweight title unification bout between Robert Whitaker and Israel Adesanya. I'm going to try my best to pronounce that right. Apparently everyone got corrected and has been pronouncing it wrong, or I'll just stick with Izzy, either or. Um, Now, Whitaker was headhunting versus Counter-Striker, and I understand why he did it, because that's basically what Calvin Gastelum did um, and had such success with. The problem is Gastelum was willing to take the punishment, and Whitaker was too, but every time he would wing, and don't wrong, there were two or three shots that Whitaker threw that missed by an inch. And there was some serious power behind those. And if those would have landed, it may be a different fight. I'm not saying it would be, because I'm not going to try to make up for the fact that I bet on Whitaker Because Adesanya looked amazing. But a few of those could have landed and it would have been crazy. Uh, now, the dropping and the knocking of Whitaker out, they were just little shots from Adesanya. But they, he caught Whitaker coming in so often that most of the power was just from Whitaker exploding in. Which is obviously very impressive and what a counter striker does. Um, I don't know if uh, Gastelum had a better outcome. I mean, I know he still lost, but a better outcome because he is Southpaw and Whitaker isn't. So does that come from those odd angles, but I don't know. So same thing. I'm not going to hide from a loss, but uh, I really thought Whitaker was going to do it. And honestly, in the future, depending on odds, I may put money on him again. If you could actually get like, one or two fights in without getting injured. I do think coming off that huge layoff and only fighting um like killers before that and getting crazy damage and then getting injured and this like self-perpetuating cycle he was in. I would like to see him get a few fights and wouldn't mind a rematch in the future granted he shows something. Um now Adesanya got a lot of credit for this very elaborate walkout that he uh, did. It was actually a dance he did with, from what I've heard, his, like, childhood friends from growing up in the area. He brought them out there. They did a dance together. And this is one of the few times it went well. Not saying it can't go well, but the fact that he won, because if he was in all that and lost, he would have been meme fodder forever. So, uh, what's your thoughts on the his walkout, his dance with his buddies?
0: Um, it's creative. Uh, I'm glad that he had fun and uh, had that much confidence in himself. I'm, I'm a, I'm a little disappointed in myself, just in the sense of, uh, I think when we went back to our old uh, podcast when we discussed uh, the future fight, as in Kat, uh, Whitaker and and versus Adesanya, I had I, I kind of liked Adesanya, and so I, I didn't even favor my own pick. But it is what it is. We like I said we lost, <clears throat> we lost the bet. The, um, it's cool that his childhood friends were with them because uh, I hate when people uh, end up making it and then they forget about the people they loved. The, the reason why the dance went good then is because those guys have been practicing it probably since they were young, you know? And uh, so it's pretty cool. I think with that big Chinese uh, uh, Asian following that he has, I'm not sure if it was a Dragon Ball Z thing that he did, but it was definitely uh, some kind of uh, Asian animation inspired uh, thing. So I think that that that's a really smart play for the UFC's part.
1: I I completely agree. Now, I mean, I know that the fight only lasted about six or seven minutes, especially you could almost argue that it ended in five with how he dropped Whitaker in the first, especially if he had like like 10 seconds to do some follow-up shots. But what's your thoughts on uh, Adesanya's performance and, I guess, Whitaker's game plan?
0: Well... Whitaker, I I thought should have wrestled a lot more and not been so wild, and so I think that that really played into Adesanya's uh, counter striking, because he is such a just uh, efficient striker. So I I didn't like uh, Whitaker's game plan at all. Um, I don't really feel like you and I got the bet uh, that we deserved in the sense of. Uh, I, I just I was expecting a whole different fighter than what we saw that day. I don't know if he was emotionally invested deeper than we knew, but he he just uh, that wasn't the champion uh, Bobby Knuckles Whitaker that we've seen you know go to war. And then um, Adesanya, his performance, uh, man, his his striking defense is really good, man. For as long as he is, he he leans back really well and uh, defends himself uh phenomenally. So I, I just uh he, he's good man.
1: Oh, very good. I think I even underestimated how good he was. Now they've they've pretty much said <clears throat> it's not hundred percent official that Adesanya is gonna face Paulo Costa next. Now Paulo Costa is a budsaw. He puts a lot of power on you. Will he be able to last five rounds of cardio? I don't know. Uh, although he looked the best cardio wise in his last fight versus UL Romero that he probably ever has. Um, now, uh, one thing Adesanya does do, and he did a phenomenally to first Whitaker, was like the leaning back just out of shots. And he did that very well. But Costa also punishes the body. And although Izzy backs away from the headshots, he leaves his body exposed. So I'd be curious to see how that works out. I mean, I, I would still favor Adesanya pretty big. But I think if you can get a, a really good, like, dirty boxer, someone that's going to throw a lot of body shots on Adesanya, I think they would have a better chance. Uh, what's your thoughts on that matchup? Uh, is a, although it's not official, but it's, it's looking like that's what's happening next.
0: Um, I don't think Costa uh, has the gas tank, like you said, to go five. for. So that's a problem. Um, those body shots. The first round would be just unreal to watch, so I want to see that for sure. I don't. I, I'd favor Adesanya though know, to win that fight. I think he his striking defense is too good, and we haven't really seen his full potential. I feel like this happens a lot in the UFC. We get some rising stars, and um, we know they're good, but they never really get to fight enough or long enough to see their full potential. And so people said that Adasani had no power, but I never really believed that. I knew he always had something hidden behind there, and we still haven't seen the full extent. He's also still a young man, and he's he's super skinny. He, he's still going to fill out, and I think you know, uh, I, I don't know about John beating John Jones, but dude, that's going to be a fight.
1: Well, that one, like, that, like you said, it depends. I mean, uh, say is 28, I believe. John's 30 or 31. So it's variable well possibility in two or three years, I decided he puts on a little bit of weight just naturally by aging and working out and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it could be, it could be closer. I mean, yes, that all depends if John moved on to heavyweight or not, but uh, it's interesting. I, I do think it's odd that uh, John Jones is entertaining so much the fight with a middleweight when he has teased heavyweight for so long and has kind of to a certain degree, poo pooed it a little bit, and then he's going to like wait to do it. And he just wants to defend at 205. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, who do you think Whitaker should fight next for, for a comeback fight? Like, let, let's just, I mean, I know the UFC doesn't necessarily do them, but like, not necessarily a give me fight, but a fight just to get him back on the right track. Like, somewhat competitive, but so I guess someone probably in the top 10, but definitely not top three.
0: Um, Gasolim and Whitaker have not fought, correct? Correct. I, they were I, they I were like
1: supposed to. I uh, would like to when, see.
0: Yeah. Go ahead. I would like I would like to see them uh, go
1: at it. No, yeah, I absolutely agree. That's a great fight, especially if he could come out uninjured from this one. I haven't looked at the medical suspensions, but I think he's good he and come back in like a three or four month stint. Go right back into camp. I think he can really just be the best thing for him because he just needs to get some fights in, man. Because I think the stat was between the last Yoel Romero fight when he was going to fight Adesanya. Adesanya had fought four times in that time frame, getting better, having his distance down and all that stuff. And that just leaves you wanting at some point. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, a big layoff coming in as soon as we get to UFC Tampa, which which we're about to. I just want to throw in a little bit of news that also can help transition into UFC Tampa is the fact that uh, all the Jiu-Jitsu schools that Cub went to to get ready for Crown Gracie, they refused to train him because he was fighting a Gracie. Now, you're the one that's uh, at a BJJ school. I am not. So does this surprise you? Um, is that something that's part of the culture that totally makes sense they said no? Or is this just kind of... Pardon my French, a dick word.
0: I mean, a, a dick move. Oh, it's 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 a dick move. Uh, there's just there's absolutely no way that all the jiu-jitsu schools would uh, not train him. There there might be a few Gracie jiu-jitsu academies that are really close with Cron Gracie that refuse to um to roll with him, but there's no way that uh, when everyone knows any gym MMA related or jujitsu related is ran by an owner. That owner is not super well off. They need money. They have overhead. They have people to pay. They, they want that money every month, and they're chasing, chasing memberships, so much to the point that they bug even members about the money and, and et cetera, et cetera. So I absolutely refuse to believe that there is 95% of the jiu-jitsu uh, community out here that would do that. I believe that maybe 5% of the jujitsu schools would maybe do that. And that would only be because they have some close affiliation with the Gracie's. I know that for sure that 10th uh, planet and Van Ives would be thrilled to have a uh, Cubs Swanson come over there and uh, roll with their competition team to help them get ready and then help him get ready. So I, uh, I, I, I hope that, uh, Kron just chokes the shit out of him and makes him tap because Cub Swanson is a tapper, and I, I just, I really believe that.
1: Now, moving into uh, UFC Tampa. Uh, the first fight on the card that we are going to cover is uh, Davidson Figueredo. He He's currently minus 185 against Tim Elliott, who's plus 160. Now, Tim Elliott has fought for the title. Granted, it was coming off that tough champions season and eventually fought Demetrius Johnson. Yes, he did take Demetrius Johnson down. Yes, at one point he did take Joseph Benavidez down before he got tapped later. He has great wrestling. One of the downsides is he's has got getting you down not holding you down. Um, and he eats shots like it's his job. Uh, he is currently on a coming from a two-year layoff if I have my dates right. And he is fighting one of the rising stars at the new reinvigorated flyweight division in Davison Figueiredo who's as we said, minus 185, who has shown just amazing striking acumen and has shown quite a bit of popularity because as the UFC was talking about getting rid of the flyweight division, he is one of the few fighters that people were up in arms. Granted, MMA Twitter, but regardless, up in arms and wanted him to stay or move up or whatever. So, uh, Eileen Figueredo, um I do think he's going to win, clear decision. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about this fight?
0: Um, I really uh, like Davidson Figueroa. I think that um, he is an an outstanding striker and a a BJJ black belt. And I know that uh, Tim Elliott is maybe just barely a purple belt, if that, uh, BJJ. I don't think he has the the game to ever, ever have um, Pantoja or have um, Figueroa on top of him. Um, I just I think that that's bad news. And that's probably the best chance for Elliot is on the ground, and so that gives him no chance. And then uh, Figueroa striking is is really amazing. He throws some really vicious kicks, and I expect those uh, lower calf kicks that you were talking about, and those lower kicks to cause some damage, make uh, Elliot fall a couple times, and then uh, him jump on top and uh, maybe get a TKO finish. I I just I I think that Figueroa is, is the more dominant. A superior fighter, and he should win a uh, for sure the decision at worst. So I want So I'm going to be uh, betting him as my pick to, uh, this week. I think his money line right now is negative 185. If I'm if I'm not mistaken. So yep. I'm going to put um, 1.85 units to win one unit on him to get our money.
1: Well, and that's interesting you bring up the kicks. I, I guess I never realized how good his kicks are, but that's perfect because if I remember right, uh, Tim Elliott. Uh, the reason he was off was because of a knee issue. So, that'll be perfect. So, that goes goes even more towards your pick. Now, uh, the next fight we're going to cover is Ryan Spann. Yes, the guy with the Superman tattoo on his chest versus Devin Clark. Ryan Spann is currently minus 140. Devin Clark plus 120. You may remember Clark because on the old podcast, at one point, we did bet uh, Darko versus Devin Clark. And Devin Clark got the decision. Um, looking for a little bit of payback here. Uh, Span is coming off a KO over Little Nog in round one. Uh, one just little interesting tidbit. Um, obviously MMA math does not work, but both of these men have fought Alex Nichols, Nicholas, who is currently in a PFL heavyweight standout. But back when he was at light heavyweight, Ryan Spann knocked him out in a round, and Alex Nicholas knocked out Devin Clark. In a round, so it's a tale of two first rounds going dramatically different ways. Now, I my bet for this card, my pick is Ryan Span at the minus 140 to win one unit. Uh, I actually think he is going to finish Devin Clark, but uh, the the prop money on by KO is minus 130, so you're not getting, really getting much there. Actually, in the distance is minus 110, so if you really like him uh, to get the finish, go within the distance. Do not go by KO. For whatever reason those lines are skewed a little bit and you're actually getting twenty cents back on you at the in the distance. I just think Span is long and tall. He's six five, has a great reach. And I just think he's gonna catch Devin Clark coming in. Don't be scared. If Devin Clark takes him down, he likely will at one point first second round maybe even both but at some point ryan Span's is going to find that chin he's going to lay him out and normally this goes against uh, a rule i have about betting on guys with superman tattoos but you know what ryan Span's is going to take him out and i can't wait to watch it mike how do you feel about this fight
0: I agree with you 100% on this matchup. Um, Ryan Span is uh, super long and rangy. He's 6'5", and has an 81.5-inch reach, which is 6.5 inches longer than Devin Clark. Uh, With that type of reach uh, and that type of body, he cuts a lot more weight than uh, Devin Clark. He's going to have a lot of power. And I believe that he, that Devin Clark is going to eat one of those punches and and end up on the ground and sleeping. So I think that this bet is just definitely a, a bet that I will tail for myself with you. And I believe uh, in Ryan Spann's ability to make Devin Clark go see another place.
1: Uh, eyeing up this card a little bit, it's definitely going to be an exciting one because, in we'll talk more as we go through some of these fights. A lot of fights I see ending in a finish. Like not gonna lie, like even this next fight. James Vick is finally moving up to 170. He is currently plus 125 against Nico Price, who's minus 145. Vick is coming off some brutal KO losses and terrible weight cuts. Um, 170-pounders are going to be hitting harder. I know he's going to have that much more water weight protecting his brain, but of all of the welterweights he could have fought, he fought Nico Price, who... Vic is better at everywhere. He is. He absolutely is. He's a better boxer, kicker, probably even has a better ground game. But Price finishes people. He has some serious power, and he's going to find Vic's chin. Because even if Vic has gotten a lot better at defending his chin, and he may have, it's just just going to take one. Uh, I do like that Vic's back with his original camp. uh, That seemed to help him out in uh, Texas, where he's from. But I just see Price at some point just landing big and making Vic just collapse to the ground like a blown-up building. I honestly thought that Vic was going to be the favorite here, and I was going to get excited about throwing Price out there at a good price of a plus some type of plus money. I thought this line was going to be at very least flipped, but apparently everyone has a similar feeling that Price is going to get the finish. Now, this is a bet that if price can get a little bit closer to even money i may play i don't like the minus 145 now um but you can kind of see where the line's going because even like this fight did not go to decision i believe was minus 305 which it's pretty heavy odds there for a 170 pound fight but i do think price is going to make james vick chicken dance and it's going to be pretty entertaining there in tampa florida what about you mike how do you feel about james vick versus nico price
0: um vick's gonna have a major problem he he has he has a chin issue and um he's scared so he's gonna be really 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 scared when he doesn't have enough power to make nico price have the respect that he needs and uh, i i just see uh, nico price being able to back him up against the cage uh, the octagon and uh, just lay into him and just uh molly-wop him against the ground
1: Similar to the last fight. Like, I mean, I don't Like, I, I just feel, I don't know. I feel like there's going to be a lot of finishes on this card. Okay, so uh, the next fight is uh, Eric Anders. He's currently minus 160 against Gerald Mearshart at plus 140. Apparently, every time people get sour on Eric Anders, he KOs a non-ranked opponent, and everyone forgets about inactive Anders, who we experienced when we bet him against uh, your favorite, Hair Boy, and he lost the decision. Anders, when he's coming forward, he's faster, he's more explosive, he has power. Whenever he's backing up or trying to strike from the outside, his output just drains so much, and he doesn't land. Uh, Mirshad's fairly durable. I mean, he's not fantastic. I mean, he's been finished, uh, mainly by sub, but he can definitely shock you. So uh, I'm staying away from this fight, because after that, we got burned so bad against Anders. on Anders when he fought uh, Theodoro. I've sworn off all Anders fights, so I have no bet or anything in that fight. And if I had to make a pick, I'm going to go with Gerald Morshardt because I just think Anders is probably going to fumble again. What about you, Mike?
0: I would go with uh, Gerald Morshardt as well. I think he's got more experience and uh, an overall better game. The only thing Eric Anders has is uh, speed.
1: Completely agree. Um, Now next is... Violent Bob Ross, or Luis Pena, uh, he is currently minus 160 versus Matt Frivola, plus 140. Uh, Pena just KO'd the ghost of Matt Wyman. Uh, he's fighting at 155. Uh, he tried a botch, move down to 45. Uh, he should probably win this fight. I don't, I don't have a major lean on it one way or another. Uh, if it was closer to even money, I would say Pena. Uh, in terms of a bet, and I guess I'll throw him out there as a pick, Um, but honestly, I don't think much of Pena going forward in terms of the upper portion of the division, or Matt Frivola right now, so it should be an entertaining fight to sit down and enjoy, but I have no action on this one.
0: Um, I I, I would take Luis Pena. I think that he's uh, got more devastating striking, and so I, I would take him if I had to favor one.
1: Now, this next fight, I'm actually really interested to hear your opinion on, because I know that Amanda Rebus has made you some good money. Uh, she's currently plus 115 against M- Mackenzie Dern, at minus 135. Um, I understand why Mackenzie Dern is the favorite. Uh, in my opinion, she would have be- a better ground game. Uh, I guess I do not know specifically. Uh, I guess we'll find out when they fight. Uh, Dern is fighting four months after giving birth, which will be the fastest turnaround for a fighter in the UFC ever. Um, most of the women who have kids that are fighting in the UFC had them before their UFC tenure. Um, and I believe the only one that I can think of, it was six or eight months after the fact. Uh, later on the Carmichael Waterson, I know she went back to fighting 10 months after she gave birth. Um, Dern is saying that as of Monday of this week, so earlier this week, she was only four pounds over the limit. So she was 120, um, although I guess you can't believe her because this is the same woman who said that she was on weight, got sponsored by a scale company, and then missed weight by three pounds. So I guess we'll find out on weigh-ins if she actually does make the weight. Uh, I would say Rebus has better stand-up from what I have seen and does have competitive jiu-jitsu um, to the level of Dern. I am not sure. So uh, I don't know. If I had to make a pick, I'd probably go Dern. But I'm going to leave a more in-depth breakdown to you.
0: Um, I, I Amanda Rebus is a sneaky girl. Um, she, her striking is, is really sharp, and she's really aggressive. So I like that. Uh, you don't see it very often in the women's division. So I, I'll ch- check that off her list. And then she's also a black belt in jiu-jitsu and um, also competes quite often. So, uh, man, this fight. I got, I'd have to take Amanda Rebus because of the striking, the layoff that Mackenzie Dern has had to incur, the fact that I know that my lady, had, when she had her baby, um, there's so many different chemical and emotional balance, like an imbalance, so you're just kind of adjusting still, and then the fact that you're away from your baby, and then weight cutting and all this other stuff when you should be breastfeeding. I don't see how this is a very uh, good mental thing, so I, I think that Amanda Rebus has all the edges then. And I, I think that for underdog money, I, I would take her. Okay.
1: Now in the co-main event, we're kind of in a similar situation as the last fight. To, to a degree, but it's going to be much more uh, ground and jujitsu focused, at least in my opinion, and from some talks we had off the air, I believe for yours as well. Uh, Cub Swanson is currently plus 130, and that's fairly substantial because when I was first making up our outline here, he was plus 155. So he's actually... Dipped a good amount with some money coming in on him versus Kron Gracie, who was at the time minus 175, but now minus 150. Um, This is one of those unique situations where it's a major step up for Kron, but it's also a major step down for Swanson. Now, Swanson has definitely not looked as good as he used to. He's for sure on the tail end of his career. Um, I mean, he's getting taken down by mcgregor training partners and making wins way closer than they need to be for someone with his experience and with his technique uh he is a jiu-jitsu black belt but as mike brought up earlier he's been tapped out quite a few times in the ufc uh he's someone that spazzes out when put into a bad position i think the quote from him when brian ortega had him in a submission is it was so tight he thought he was going to die <laughs> so if brian ortega has a tight squeeze you can bet Cron gracie is going to have a tight squeeze so um, um, before i'm gonna th- i'm gonna throw it to mike but i will say that we have a mutual bet on this fight that i will bring up after mike's breakdown go ahead mike
0: well I'm going to be a little harsh on uh, Cub Swanson, and uh, he he's, has seven times that he's tapped out uh, in his career. And uh, I, I've told you guys before that if you see an MMA fighter or Jiu-Jitsu guy that is ranked as a black belt and they have tapped that many times, I, I just can't take them as seriously as another black belt who does not tap and goes to sleep. Uh, Kron Gracie, I don't ever, ever see him tapping. There's no way. Um, Kron Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is uh, 10 times better, would be an understatement, than uh, Cub Swanson. And so I, I just believe that this is the, the moment for Kron Gracie to showcase uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu in the octagon against another world-class opponent that everybody knows and uh, get a, a submission win. I know that's going to happen and that's why we're going to bet that um Cub Swanson is uh is nowhere near on the level of uh, is a a Gracie on the ground so that leaves his only only chance is to uh win a, a striking war and I don't see uh Gracie being uh, dumb enough to just do a, a striking war
1: Absolutely. And the bet Mike alluded to is we both have Cron Gracie at the minus 150 to win one unit. Uh, So this is one of those, I guess not rare occasions, but as we said, we will at very least have one pick and bet per fight card, especially if we both agree on it. But in a situation like this, you're lucky enough that you got three bets on this card. We'll go over those uh, after we go over the main event. But even the main event itself has had a little bit of controversy around it. Earlier this week on Wednesday, it came out that Joanna's camp had contacted Michelle Watterson's camp and was trying to see if they would fight at a catch weight. She had said that she's not going to be able to make uh, 115 or 116, I guess, being the limit, and was trying to see if Michelle Watterson would fight at a catch weight. Watterson vehemently denied it. And then the UFC was giving other options out there for Waterson, none of which too good. But at some point, Watterson realizes this is her golden ticket. If she wins this, she's going to get a title shot. Um, after it's gone back and forth a little bit and a good training session that morning, apparently Joanna said that she's going to go and try to make the weight, and they're more confident that she will, which is interesting. Um, I honestly don't necessarily think... The weight thing is going to be too much of an issue. Um, she may miss it. And let's say weigh 117, 118. She'll get 20% of her purse. Watterson will accept. Otherwise, if she doesn't, the UFC will likely blackball her. So she's going to take it. But because of the controversy around it, the price has actually dipped. Uh, originally, at the typing of this outline earlier in the week, uh, Joanna was a minus 370 favorite. Michelle Watterson was plus 310. That has... Dipped on both sides. Now Joanna is minus three thirty-five, and Waterson is plus two seventy-five. Now it's a decent dip. Uh, it's getting Joanna close to parlay range. For any of you people listening to this, that that is your style of betting, doing parlays. I do think she is a good parlay piece, provided the fight happens, and I think it will. Watterson is the smallest straw weight on the UFC roster. She was an weight champion in Invicta before she came over. And honestly, that's the weight she should probably still fight at. Um, Joanna has fought at 115, can barely make it, has fought at 125. She's borderline in between her, which is weird. But like, if there was a 120-pound class, that probably would part where she would be at. And not that she's small for 125, but Valentina is still substantially bigger than her and stronger than her. But that also might be because Valentina, for so much of her career, fought at 135. Now, Watterson, I would say, has a more varied striking, uh, especially with her kicks. But Joanna's output is insane. And this is a five-round fight. I just think that Joanna is going to borderline set a all-time output record for WMA all over Watterson's face, similar to what she did um, in one of her early defenses, maybe even get a broken nose or something like that in there. I do think Joanna is on the downslide of her career. I don't think she's good as she has been in the past. But I think even the state that she's in, she should just coast past Michelle Watterson to a clear decision. Obviously, it's a steep price. Um, I'd be interested in the points handicap because I do think it's going to be a clear decision for her, possibly a late, late finish, like after Watterson gets a little bit battered. Um, I guess that's my take on the fight. Uh, Mike, you got anything specific you want to bring up for this uh, Joanna versus Waterson, UFC Tampa main event?
0: Uh, I I still don't think that the line is right. I, I just, I don't, I don't think Joanna should be favored that much. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't even know how this is a main event. Is this, this is the main event for real?
1: Yeah, the main event for real. But this is what happens when you have like a few stacked pay-per-views in the future. Dude. And you kind of just are sort of scrounging for people that have somewhat of names, and obviously Joanna's a former champion, and Waterson is popular ish but even that they're not popular in Tampa
0: uh man, I don't know, man, this is crazy dude. I can't believe we're discussing this as the main event um Joanna should win, right? that's what should happen like it, yeah, it's... Oh, she,
1: she should absolutely like, I, I agree.
0: Uh, so unless watterson does some gets clips her on her on the suspect chin that joanna has i don't see going in in watterson's favor um but doesn't mean it can't happen i would not recommend anyone betting this fight not betting joanna not betting watterson this is not a betting fight this is you just watch this fight well especially
1: Um, with some of the big favorites in wmma that have gone down in the last yeah, a couple cards. I mean, you don't want so, to lay all this money on Joanna, and then there's a fluke scramble situation, and Waterson actually can lock something up.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, I'd, I, as our fans, and I'd recommend just watching this fight. I'd, I, I, if I had to choose, slight edge to Joanna striking, but uh, it doesn't mean anything.
1: Now we're gonna do a quick review of the bets, and then we're probably gonna be out of here. After that, a little bit shorter show. This time, but as all of you know, UFC 243 wasn't a ton to write home about other than the main event and co-main event. So currently the bets, uh, the individual bets, Mike has Figueredo, uh at minus 185 to win one unit. Uh, I have Span at minus 140 to win one unit. And then we both have Cron at minus 150 to win one unit. So there's a little bit of action for you guys going into this fight card. At some point, I mean, enjoy it. It's a free fight card. I mean, I guess if you have the right cable subscription or ESPN Plus, I can't remember if it's a plus card or not, but enjoy and I guess look forward to the more exciting pay per views that are going to be going on in the future. Um, Mike, do you have anything left to break down, shoot, shout out, or anything for the people, the fans?
0: Uh no, we just appreciate you guys and uh please subscribe to our YouTube channel. This uh event is on ESPN Plus for uh the the whole card. So if you hopefully you guys have that.
1: Awesome. Thanks for that info. Um like Mike said, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're trying to bring that up. And yes, I know we are not currently on iTunes. But we will be back once we've hit that 10 threshold, and then all of these past episodes will be re-uploaded on there, and you could hear our wonderful voices. Uh, In the future, we're going to try to get the show out a little bit earlier in the week, but work schedules and life schedules have gotten in the way of that recently. But that is totally fine, and we are going to put out high-quality stuff for you guys every time you see us on your feed. Have a good night. Peace.